Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This has been kind of our launching pad for this series each week on mind fields. As I've shared with you, I did a little play on words. We're familiar with that term, a mind field, but we're looking at mind fields. As we look at this scripture, uh, we see very clearly, Now, I've got the King James translation I want us to see today, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, and uh, I want you to notice the location of these mind fields. Uh, when we talk about a minefield, we think of some place that's uh, related to warfare, battle, uh, there's been conflict, and the residue or what's left behind are these hidden mines, M-I-N-E. They're underneath the surface. You're, you're not sure where they are. And at, at an unexpected moment, you step on one, you trigger it. And everything that was there originally in the original trauma, the, the, the just day in of life, springs back up on you. Well, in your mind, that same thing is, is trying to happen. It's where, where Satan will seize against you and try to detour us and lock us in. I want to say this to us today. Do you know that Christians that love Jesus, how many love Jesus in the house today? Do you know that sometimes we think, well, if I'm a Christian, I, I can't ever admit I'm having a problem or a struggle. Do you know that you can love the Lord and still be dealing with some minefields in your life? You know that you can be redeemed and loved and blessed and chosen, but life is life. How many hear what I'm saying? Things have happened to create trauma in your life. Things have occurred that have been discouraging. Actions have been taken against you. You know, we want heaven, don't we? See, there's something in you as a believer, I want you to get this, that longs for heaven. That wants to be in the presence of God. That wants to live in his order. Are you understanding? That wants to be free of the curse and the things that Satan has done. But we're not in heaven yet. How many have noticed that lately? Yeah, last time I noticed, we were right in the middle of earth, huh? And it's a battleground. Now God is with us in force and we win. I want you to say, we win. We win. But there's a battle. And the battle, I want you to see the strategic place of conflict. Where Satan and life plants these hidden uh, uh, triggers are there in your mind. So let's look at the verbiage here as we read through this in the King James translation. Again, we see from the beginning that, that there is conflict. There's warfare. And we need to understand that. For though we walk in the flesh. What does that mean? That means human body. Okay, We're living in this house. How many people... Got a carnal place. Come on, tell the truth. Don't. Oh, I'm going to ask. This is a holy church. How many people aren't perfect yet? Let me ask that question. Okay. That was a little easier. That word carnal scared you, didn't it? No hidden, no tricks. For though we walk in the flesh, live in this body, right? We do not war after the flesh. So although we are living in these human bodies, there's a battle or war, okay, but it's not human. It's not just physical. Are you with me? It's not just what you can see with your natural eyes. So we need to understand what what does this mean? Let's keep reading. Verse 4. For the weapons, oh, okay, so here's the good news. There's a battle, but God's given us weapons. It's a battle that's not a physical battle. Is everybody with me? And so we need weapons that are not physical weapons. We we need uh to be given something. We, we need something at our disposal that enables us to deal with the real battle going on in our life. Here's, here's what happens. The devil would love for you to think some person is your problem. We focus on that. Do you understand that? This person is my problem. Here, here's how we would say it. Your, your problem is not a personality. It's a principality. What does that mean? It means that the battle is a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, now stay here, I'll just quote it, says says that our battle's not with flesh and blood, but with principalities. We're battling spiritual forces that attack our life. Now, do they work through some some, uh, folks? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Now, let, let me help you. Don't call them the devil. 
Don't leave here today. So Pastor Sawyer said, you're the devil. Don't go home and act like the church lady. Say, Fred Sanford, you're a demon. That probably won't get them back to church next week. That's probably not going to bring them to Jesus. So our battle's really not with people. It's a spiritual battle. Does, do people sometimes hurt us in that process? Oh, yes. But you've got to remember what's working. Here's the good news. We have weapons as a believer that you do not have if you're not a believer in Christ. So we've got some weapons. There's a battle, and we're equipped for this battle. How many hear what I'm saying? We're equipped for it, all right? They are not carnal. That means human, natural. But what are they? Look at this. They are what? Mighty. Everyone in this room, everyone listening to me, every believer on this planet, you have mighty weapons available to you. You're not weak. You're mighty. How many hear what I'm saying? When you understand it, they are mighty how? Through God. Mighty through God. There are some issues that have bound us, troubled us, depressed us, stressed us, brought fear to us that we are never going to overcome until we understand we have some weaponry that is bigger than we are, that is greater than the person that did it to us, that is stronger than the after effect. So there is a battle, but there are weapons. And our weapons are mighty through God. Are you with me? And what happens to the pulling down of strongholds? Those are the patterns set in your mind. These patterns. In other, what's a stronghold? It's when something has happened to you with enough effect or often enough that you begin to view other things through that same set. Someone rejected you and your pattern is you approach people with a rejection mindset. Are you with me? Somebody, you know that little old song they used to sing at church, something I don't know all about it. This little grandma voice says, he didn't even shake my hand. Anybody heard that song talking about they went to church and the pastor didn't shake their hand. Of course, they came late and left early, but you know, you, it's, anyway. So, so what happens is we view things through the patterns that life's put on us. One person was unkind to us and we begin to believe everyone's unkind to us. One person was unfaithful and we, we mistrust everyone. We think everyone's unfaithful. And unfortunately, if that relies, that stronghold, that pattern rests in your mind long enough, you begin to view God in that same way. Well, I couldn't trust my earthly father. How can I trust him? This person abandoned me. How do I know he won't abandon me? You, you, we, we have a marriage that didn't work. You're the victim of a great disappointment. And you want to go on and, and, and have a life and have a family. And you want that to work. But the problem is that you're looking at this new marriage in the same pattern that you looked at the other one. And no matter who they are or what they do, it's going to be tough for it to work because you've overlaid this broken pattern on top of this one. And we look at everything through that. Is everybody with me? Those are strongholds. So what are we going to do about those things? There's a war for my mind. It's a war for your mind. It affects you. The Bible says in Romans 12 that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Until we allow the Holy Spirit to change and heal and break the patterns of our mind, we can love the Lord, we can be born again, we can have a Bible, we can go to church, we can worship on Sunday. But if those strongholds haven't changed and been broken by the power of God, we still live our life limited to what those things do to us. Everybody with me? Okay, so let's go to this. So what do we do? So... Pastor, how, what happens? What do these weapons enable us to do? What are these weapons that are mighty, greater than what caused the stronghold? What do they do? Casting down imagination. So we know it's a mind thing. See, casting down imagination. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Literally what begins to happen, these strongholds build walls and partitions in our thinking. Okay. And so they, they are exalted against the knowledge of God. This is what happens. The Bible says you become double-minded. And then you become unstable in all your ways. What does that look like? Well, if the stronghold's never been broken, here's what happens. We go to church on Sunday and we worship and praise the Lord. But if that stronghold's not been broken... We go home and still treat everybody the same way we've been treating everybody. 
Come on, don't, don't leave. Stay with me, okay? See, the, the, we're double-minded. Part of our thinking says, I love Jesus. Part of my thinking says, I believe his word. Part of my thinking says, I know God is faithful. But there's a wall somewhere in my mind, a stronghold. And on the other side of this, it says, I'm not sure I can trust him. I'm not sure it's really going to happen. I'm not sure that, that, that God really loves me. I'm not sure that I'm worth. Do you see that? And you battle back and forth between these two things. Okay. See, that's a stronghold. That, that, that has to be broken. Something has exalted itself. My mind's divided. One day I'm over here and one day I'm over there. Don't point at anybody. Do you know somebody like this? Do they look at you in the mirror sometimes? Do you know somebody that's over here one day and over there the next day? Praising God here and, 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 and you know, doubting God there or, or with me. Okay. So, so what happens? We have to realize, and we can do this with our weapons, we bring into captivity under our control, under God's control, every thought to what? The obedience of Christ. So here's what happens. There are weapons that deal with our imaginations, that run away from us, that deal with the strongholds that divide our mind. That deal with the troubled thoughts that come and work at us. So we, we, need to, we need to understand this. Can somebody say amen to that? Let's make it work. So when we look at depression, anxiety, stress, fear. Let me say, I said there's time. I am not a psychologist. I'm not a psychologist. I am making no effort to be a psychologist here. I'm in my lane today. You understand? I've studied psychology and other degree programs I've been in. I'm not a psychologist. Don't pretend to be. But And, and let me say this. There's some issues you may be working with. If you have a Christian that's a counselor, they can be a great asset in your life. I encourage you that. Did you hear what I'm saying? A Christian that is a counselor can be a great asset in your life. So what am I doing here? I'm a pastor. I'm dealing with the battleground of your mind. From the spiritual focus. What am I teaching us? How God's mighty weapons can impact the patterns and the strongholds in your mind. I'm teaching you the word of God. Are you with me? I'm not a shade tree psychologist. Don't purport to be. But I know the word of God. And I know the power of God. And I know what mighty weapons can do. Where Satan has created limiting strongholds in your mind. That's what we're doing. So here's what I want to do today. I want to coin a phrase. Okay. Instead of thanksgiving. Or listen closely. What I want to teach you today is thanks living. Thanks living. Are you with me right now? There's something I want to show you. Listen what. So what is thanks living? What is thanks living? It's not one day a year. Okay. Where you eat turkey and overindulge. So thanksgiving is not some cute idea. Thanksgiving, listen to me. Remember, this is a battle. This is a battle. Thanksgiving is not my emotional state of mind. How many are with me? Thanksgiving is, is this. It is a powerful weapon through God that can defeat depression and anxiety in your life. I want to say this. Truthfully. What we're going to learn here in these next few minutes is not an option if you want to live out of these strongholds. It's not an option. It's not a good idea. It's not one of many options. It is necessary. If we're going to walk in freedom and see God do everything he wants to do. How many of you believe that the struggles you've had, that it's time for them to stop? You'll say amen. How many believe your children don't need to pick them up? How many believe you need to pass something on to your children's children that's greater than what somebody passed on to you? How many believe that these generational curses can be broken and you can have a home and a family that is blessed and you walk in peace and you love your spouse and you get out of insecurity and you break out of rejection, anybody with me? And the heaviness of depression is off your life. And your mind is free to know that you are loved and chosen and blessed and anointed. And God's purpose for you that was written in your mother's womb will come to pass. And the devil will be defeated. And you will be a picture of the grace of God. That's what we're doing here today in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Listen, I, I, I felt the Holy Spirit just say, I'm just going to say it. Someone in this room been married 40 years and you think this is all it's going to be. I want to tell you under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that specific number came to me. I want you to know that the next years of your marriage can be greater than the earlier year. I, it's not too late for a change to take place. But listen to me. Stop waiting for someone else to change and start letting God do it right in here and things will shift. You know all those people at work that are pushing all your buttons? If you let thanks living begin to permeate who you are, it doesn't matter what they're going to do. Let's go to Philippians 4 verse 4. Let me illustrate this for us today. Philippians 4 4. Those of you that studied your Bible and done a little research, you know that Philippians, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, chose Paul to write this letter uh, while he was in a Roman prison. Paul was in a Roman prison. He was uh, beyond the stage in his incarceration where he was living in his own home and, and, and they were allowing access back and forth. Paul was now shifted over to a place uh, that was desperate, that was dark. Uh, the maritime prison in Rome, it's where men went to die. He, he was, uh, I, I, I want to be discreet, Paul wrote this letter very likely uh, without any toilet facilities in this small cell. With very little light coming in. With very little outside encouragement. And anything from this world that could help him. And yet in this letter, Paul writes more than any other. He uses the word rejoice. 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 What you and I need to understand that we serve a real God. Who knows how to step into real places and help real people with what the world says, you're over, you're done, you're finished. It's never going to change. We serve an unlimited God who looks impossibility in the face and laughs and says, when I do what I do, I'm not through with you yet. It's not over. It's not done. Paul wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in a desperate situation in his life. And we go to chapter 4 and verse uh, number 4. I want to begin reading. I want you to see what he says here. Notice what he says again. Rejoice in the Lord on Sunday morning when the temperature's right and they sang your favorite song and, 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 you, and, and your husband acted right that morning and your wife made the right breakfast that day and the kids got up on time. No, always. Rejoice in the Lord always. See, sometimes I want to help us. We read things like that and we go, really? Really? If you're dealing with depression, anxiety, fear, stress, rejection, and you read a sentence like that, you're like, yeah. No, don't, don't, I, I, I know. Yeah. Let's keep reading. I just want you to know who said it and where he said this. Rejoice in the Lord always. He says, you know, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now watch verse 6 and 7. Here's, the, here's, this, here's this thanks living. Here's this what I want you to see with me for a few minutes today. Do not be anxious about anything. Notice there's a comma there. Now, have you ever uh, <laughs> had somebody say something to you in the middle of a tough time and, and you, you wanted to maybe slap the back of their head? Now you know. You know. I never felt that way, but not this week, anyway. But have you ever had somebody say something just felt like trite? Maybe it felt even unfeeling. It maybe it felt disconnected. You know, you're going through this big moment, and some somebody walks up. You know, real spiritual. Just don't worry. But there's a comma, not a period here. Because what you have to understand is God never gives you a don't, listen to me, without giving you a do. God is never just the absence of what's wrong, it's the presence of what's right. You need to understand that as a believer. It's never just don't do that, it's don't do that because I've got something better you can do. It's don't dwell there because I've got a promised land for you here, are you with me? So let's look at this, God says you don't have to be anxious about anything. Now I like that, how many want to get there? How many would like to not be anxious about anything? Tell the truth. How would you not like to ever worry again? 
Well, I don't know that I can give you that, but let's look at this. Do not be anxious about anything, but, okay, in everything, by prayer and petition, watch this, with something. Here's the key ingredient with what? Thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, what's the result of that? And the peace of God. You know what peace is? Peace is the absence of the battle. Peace is what happens after you win the war. Anybody hear what I'm saying? So this battle for the mind, God wants you to know there's peace coming for you. There is the absence of the battle. The conflict is over. What has troubled you has been broken. The strongholds have been demolished. The thoughts have been taken captive. The stress has been removed. Why? God says, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to let you live in the absence of the warfare. Come on. Is anybody understanding what he says here? So let's keep reading. And the peace of God, and this is what's so important. We've read this in other locations in this study, other scriptures. Watch what happened. And the peace of God, which what? Transcends all understanding. God can do something greater than your thinking. God can go to my mind and do something there that is superior, transcendent, above and beyond anything that I would ever be able to do myself. God brings peace that passes our capacity to make it happen. Watch and look at this. And will guard your heart and your... Oh, God wants to do a work in you so great to rescue you, deliver you, set you free. So powerful. And then he's going to put a guard at the door of your mind. And the next time it comes back, he's going to say, you're not welcome here anymore. You can't come do what you've been doing. You not only have the freedom of stress, you have the presence of God and a guard to establish you in that new victory in your life. Now, we need to understand that. Anybody want some more of this in your life? Okay, so so it's here. It's in my mind. You and I need to understand only the human mind, only the human mind has the capacity of imagination. The Bible says imagination. We need, we need to deal with our imagination. This is what you can do that, that, that no other creation can do. Imagination. God gave us imagination. What can your imagination do? Your imagination can be wonderful or it can be destructive. Okay? You and I have the ability, listen to me, to construct a mental picture before it ever happens. That's imagination. Starts a little child, little girls think they're what? Princesses. And they might as well be. I think they're all little princesses, don't you? See, see, you, your mind has the capacity to construct something that hasn't happened yet. All little boys are going to be, you know, they're going to be little. They want to be a fireman. They want to be a policeman. They want to be, you know, I, I, I had this, uh, imagination. I was going to be an NFL football player. My body didn't get the message. But in my mind, you know what I'm saying, the little boys, I was, in my mind, I was making touchdowns on television. I could almost hear the crowd. It's my, my imagination. How many understand what I'm talking about? Don't you have any imagination? Don't you have any dreams? Don't you have any goals? So we have the ability to literally construct here this thing before it happens. And here's what I want you to understand. It's so real to you that your emotions respond as if it had really happened. That's the power of imagination. Now you can, that can be wonderful. It can be destructive. We create a scenario that hasn't happened yet here. And it's so real to us. My emotions respond like it's real. So we just read, let's think of this. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. That word anxious means to divide into parts. Remember those strongholds I talked about? To divide into parts. It, it means that there, there is a distraction. Stay with me. There is a change of focus. There is a preoccupation. Anxiety changes my focus from what? From God to this. I become preoccupied. I begin to worry about it before it happens. I begin to create a scenario of failure before I ever even try. I begin to imagine the worst that can happen before it happens. And I live in a fear and a depression and a stress and an anxiety of something that never even happened yet. Are you with me? 
See, this is what happens. The, the, the Bible says that, that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. And what this anxiety, this distraction, this preoccupation does, it does this to me. That although I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death with Jesus with me, I become so focused on the shadows and what might be in the shadows that I forget about who's walking with me while I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. And although you're a Christian and you read your Bible and you love Jesus and he's walking with you. You forgot he was there because all you can imagine is all the stuff in the shadows. And you live like he's not there. And you think like he's not there. And the Lord is good and he's great and he's awesome and he's kind and he's favorable. And we get Christian amnesia. We forget everything he's ever done. And we walk through life staring at shadows and we don't even know what's in those shadows. We live in fear and depression and darkness. And what we need to understand is we serve not a God, the God who says, I am able to walk into the distracted, preoccupied, divided, fearful places in your imagination. And I am able to do something that transcends all these patterns That got stuck in your mind. Anybody interested in finding out about that? Look at verse 6 again. He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition. My friend, this is what he's saying. We need to, it's not just stop worrying, it's start remembering. Start remembering what God has done. It's not just stop worrying, it's start worshiping God. I can stress or I can pray. I can stay in this place and wallow around. Listen, do you know that sometimes, I got to tell you, I don't feel like praying. Does that disappoint you in me? Sometimes, I I, I have to be honest, I get up, I don't want to pray. Sometimes me and God, I just do this. I just go sit down somewhere like old chief sitting bull when I just sit there. But at least I go there. You understand what I'm saying? I just said, Lord, here I am. Don't have much to say today. But I'm here. And we hang out for a minute. And the longer I hang out, the more I think about what I want to say. And sometimes my feelings tell me you're tired. You're tired of waiting. Have you ever been tired of waiting? Tired of waiting. Tired of praying about this. I'm tired of asking about this. I've been waiting a long time on this. And my carnal nature says, well, don't ask him today. Well, don't pray today. Or just give up today. But I don't have to feel it. I don't have to have goosebumps. I don't have to be in this room. I don't have to have uh, Maverick City playing on, on, on my, you know, my phone. I don't have to have anything. I can be in the middle of the darkest valley of the shadow of death. It can be foggy and dark and dismal. And I feel like junk and I'm tired and I don't feel good that day. And I'd rather get back in the bed. But I got to get up and go. And so in the presence of God, they just say, well, here I am. Now, not every day. (laughs) Thank God. But even on those days, here's what I try to do. I start remembering what God has done. Say, God, I remember what you've done. I remember that night I got saved. I remember, anybody, you remember when you got saved? I remember the night I got saved. I remember when the Spirit of God came in my life for the first time. I remember when sin's power was broken. I remember what it was like to be free for the first time. I say, thank you that you saved me, God. I remember the day I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. My God. I remember I started praying a prayer. I didn't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit knew how to pray that prayer. I begin to remember the day when I said yes to God and I walked off from one college to go to another college to follow the call of my life. And I left my scholarships behind. And, and, and it was fearful and I didn't know what to do. And I, I walked off from my scholarship. I walked off from my college. I walked off from my call. I walked off what I was pr- planning to do because God told me to do something. And I remember the day I walked up to the registrar's office and I said, what's the minimum I can pay today to register for my classes? And the lady said, George Sawyer, your, your tuition has already been paid. We got a check in the mail last week. And I said, who did it? I, I don't know. But that's just what I began to realize. You know what, God, if you were Jehovah,
Jehovah Jireh for me over there. You're going to be Jehovah Jireh for me over here. If you heal me over there, you're going to heal me over there, over here. If I haven't seen my phoenix healed yet, it's too soon for me to give up. Because in the name of Jesus, I may not see it yet. I may not have it yet. But I remember the faithfulness of God. And she's worth fighting for. And your family's worth fighting for. And God's worth trusting in this moment. And so we just pray. I could be anxious. I could roll over and play dead. I could give up. I could give in. I could say I'm a victim. I could say nobody cares. I can say God doesn't hear me. Or I could shut my mouth and begin to pray to the God who is faithful at all times in my life. Sometimes I need to stop worrying and start worshiping. God, I love you. God, I praise you. It's a choice. It's not an emotion. It's a choice. And then what does he say? And to me, here's the, here's what I call the secret sauce. Here, here's the hidden thing. Listen, I'm about to tell you. Here's the thing the devil doesn't understand. Oh, come on. You got to get this. Here, here's, here's what the devil doesn't understand. Here's what you don't get until you become a believer. He says, instead of worrying about everything. he Listen, he didn't say worry doesn't come to a Christian. He says, instead of worrying, let's do this. You got a choice. So we begin to pray. We begin to say, God, I trust you. God, I'm looking to you. I'm getting my eyes off the shadows and I'm going to get them back on the shepherd leading me through the shadows. I'm, I'm going to see the other side of this thing. But then, then, then the secret sauce, see, he says, and by the way, you need to thank him while you're praying. So what does this Thanksgiving do? I, I want you to get this. See, li- listen, Thanksgiving is more than you realize sometimes. Gratitude is a thought. Listen, gratitude is a thought. It's a very good thought. Gratitude is a thought. Listen, but thanksgiving is a decision that my mind made to not only think about the goodness of God, but thanksgiving is when I begin to speak the goodness of God. See, gratitude is an attitude. Thanksgiving is an action. I begin to say, God, yeah, 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 I remember. And I'm going to say it. You need to say it. Are you with me? You need to speak it. You need to say it. You need to, he said, give Thanksgiving. He didn't say think Thanksgiving. He said give Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is spoken. Come on, listen. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Thanksgiving is an action. Thanksgiving is a declaration. Thanksgiving is when you stand up in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death and you say, God, I thank you. I'm not alone. God, I thank you for all that you've done. You can even, according to Philippians 4, 6, you can thank him when you ask him before you even get the answer. I'm presenting my request with thanksgiving God I thank you you just heard me I thank you that your word is true I thank you that if I ask anything according to your will you hear me and I know if you hear me I have the answer to my prayer I just want to thank you right now it's called thanks living it's not just something it's the way we live so so we begin to express it I want you to get that thanksgiving has to be spoken how many hear what I'm saying it's not just here you got to speak it see see Giving thanks, having gratitude enables you to see what is here instead of what's not here. Some people can only focus on what they don't have. All their focus is on what's not here. All their focus is on who left them, not who's with them. All their focus is on who lied to them, not who told them the truth. All their focus is on what the devil's stolen and what God, instead of what God provided. All their focus on is what they've lost instead of what they've gained. I'm going to tell you, I had to lose some junk in this life before God could give me the blessings of what he had. That thing you're mourning over, come on, I'm going to help you. That thing you're mourning over, it, listen, I'm not talking about your loved ones that are going to heaven. I'm just talking about other stuff. That stuff that you're missing and mourning and whining, come on, I shouldn't say that, but I did it. You, you need to realize God probably had to move it so he could bless you with what he wanted to give you. You're crying over what's bad and God's trying to give you what's best. See, we have to understand what's happening in this thing. Let, let, let me show you a couple of things on this before we go. Let's look at John six eleven. I want you to see the power of the Thanksgiving element. Look at this with me. John six eleven. So, so here we have 5,000 men and their families 
And Jesus said, let's feed them. <laughs> and the disciples are just like, this is crazy. This isn't going to happen. So, so what happens? Listen, when you need something that's greater than you can think, what do you do when you're facing a challenge that you do not have the mental capacity to understand how it's going to take place? What do you do when you're facing the limitations of earth and it seems impossible? 5,000 people plus their families, men plus their families. So what did Jesus do? Verse 11. Jesus took the loaves. Remember the little boy had, what, uh, five loaves, five biscuits, two pieces of fish. Little things. Okay. So he took them. What did he do? Watch verse 11. When you need a miracle, when earth says it's not going to happen, when, we're, when our weakness and inability is screaming in our ears, Jesus took the loaves and did what? Gave thanks. Oh. He threw a secret sauce right here in the middle of this impossibility. And distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. What did he do? He said, Father, this is all I have. There's all these folks. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to thank you. And then he just started feeding people. What happened? Heaven broke in on earth. Do you know when you feel like I don't have enough to get through this crisis? I don't have enough to forgive this person. I don't have what it takes to get through this depression and despair. I've even thought of ending my life. Listen, my friend, suicide is a permanent decision to a temporary problem. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It is never the solution for your life. It, the, the solu- suicide is the devil screaming, God's not going to answer your prayer. God's not going to heal you. He can't tear down the stronghold. He can't rescue you. But if Jesus can stand in the face of 20,000 people with one little boy's lunch and give God thanks for what he's about to do, I believe you and I can interject thanksgiving when we pray, when we face the moment, and just say, God, I want to thank you because I remember you have never let me down I'm going to thank you because I've been here before I may not have faced 20,000 hungry people But you've done it before I've seen you here and I've seen you there God, you're a faithful God Thanks Interjects God And releases the miracles of God In every situation you're looking Look at Luke chapter 17 and verse 11 Luke 17, 11 Just want to show you a couple examples here Luke 17, 11 It, it just changes Everything. Luke 17. Let's look at verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Notice them. What did they do? They stood where at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. Verse 15. Watch this. One of them. How many One of them, when he saw he was healed, what did he do? Came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he did what? And thanked him. He was a Samaritan. When you give God thanks, you are closer to Jesus than the crowd who just got a distance thing and walked on their way. Thanksgiving says, God, I don't just thank you for what you did. I thank you for who you are. Giving God thanks will bring you back into the presence of God. Giving God thanks will put you in an elite crowd. 90% will take the blessing and run off. But there's a 10%. I want to be in the 10%. There's a 10% that have learned how to give God thanks. Before they do anything else, they say, God, I just want to thank you. There's something about a thankful person that brings you to the feet of Jesus. There's something that brings you in. See, this man was a Samaritan. He wasn't in the Jewish faith. He wasn't first in line to get the blessing. But because he had a grateful, thankful heart, Jesus said, come on right up here close, friend. Come on right up to me. And Jesus asked him, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God but this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you whole. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Listen, when God blesses you and you come back with your thanks to him and say, thank you, Lord. You know what you're doing? You're taking your blessing and giving God's portion back to him. Your thanksgiving, listen, I'm going to help you something, is literally the tithe of the blessing of God in your life. 
If you don't return and give God thanks, you took everything he gave you and just took it to yourself. But when you come back with the thanksgiving, you're literally saying, God, I know you did this. Do you know what you're doing? You're setting yourself up. What did I teach you earlier? If we give him the first, everything else is blessed of God. How many want him to heal you more than one time? How many want to get blessed more than one time? How many want your whole family to get saved? Well, we better learn to start giving God thanks. You're taking the blessing and you're giving God his portion and you're drawing right up into the presence of God. You get to live in the 10%, not the 90%, the 10%. How many know what I'm talking about? I want to live my life in that thanksgiving place i want to give you one more look at first thessalonians five eighteen. this is the one you got to see well one more illustration of thanks i got a few more verses to go but let's let's look at first thessalonians are you with me you got to get this you got to see this first thessalonians it is so powerful chapter five one little verse one little verse i'm in a different bible today that's why i'm shuffling around my, my other Bible fell to pieces. I don't want a new Bible. Don't buy me a new Bible. I'm going to get it covered. I like that Bible. If you know a place that will put a leather cover in a Bible around here, you can tell me that. But, but I don't want another Bible. I've had enough Bibles. I'm going to hang on to this one for a while. I wore it out. Pages are out. Maps have fell out. Middle's falling out now. And I had to... I got my spare up here today. This, that's my sword. This is my pocket knife. But it, it'll work. It'll still cut you. I'll cut you. I'll cut the devil with this thing. I'll cut him bad. All right. First Thessalonians 5. Look at verse 18. You got it? Give thanks. Where? In all circumstances. Now I'm about to give you a little revelation here. Okay? Why thanks is so powerful. Give thanks in all circumstances. You're going to have to get your Bibles open and ready. Walk with me this next little bit. In all circumstances. Here's, here's what you need to see. Give thanks in all circumstances. At all times, right? In all things. Not for all things. I'm not going to blame God for something the devil does. See, if somebody does something crazy to you, if somebody uh, is rude to you, somebody is dysfunctional with you, somebody hurts you, harms you, abuses you, don't thank God for that. Thank God in it. That he's still going to bring something for his glory. That he's going to work even where the devil tried to destroy you. I don't have to thank God for everything that's bad. I thank him for everything he does. But I thank him in the midst of everything. If I get excited and run off, fall off this platform, break my leg, I'm not going to lay down there and say, Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you broke my leg. Hallelujah. I believe the Lord's trying to teach you something. No, I was a knucklehead and ran off the platform. Are you with me? That's religion. That's not relationship. That's religion. And it's dead. So I'm not going to thank God for the devil's stuff. I'm not going to thank God for my stupidity. But in everything, I guess if I'm laying there with a broken leg, I could say, well, thank you. I didn't break both of them. Or thank you. You're going to heal this one. Or thank you. I'm not over yet. Are you with me? But in all things, we can thank God. Now watch this. The devil doesn't understand thanking God in all things. It's the thing he didn't plan on. Why? Listen to me. The devil doesn't understand thanking God in all things. Do you know why? Because his future is his greatest nightmare. See, all the devil has is right now. All he has is right now. See, he can't understand thinking in the middle of a problem because we know God isn't through with us because all he has is right now. But you and I, You and I, as a believer, we can thank God in all things because God's not through with us. Are you with me? See, the devil doesn't expect you in the hard time to say, God, I just want to thank you that you're with me right now. So look at Romans chapter 8. Let let me go through this kind of quick and then we're going to pray. Look at Romans 8, 28. I love this. How can I thank him in all things? Why? Because his word says we know that in all things, come on, say in all things. And we know, say I know. 
I know that in all things, that's why I praise Him and thank Him in the middle of all things. I know that in all things, God works for the good. Come on, for those who love Him. Anybody love Him? Anybody called according to His purpose? That's how we do it. What do you mean thankful in all things? Well, in all things, God's working for my good. The devil tried to destroy me. God's going to turn it around. The devil tried to make it bad. God's going to make it good. In all things, I know God's working for my good so I can praise Him in all things. Let's, I'm going to drop down to verse 35 here and let's read a little bit. Why can I thank Him in all things? You need to get this word in you because you need to be able to do this. Look at this. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Kind of look like a bad day is going on for that guy. But he said, I can't separate me from the love of God. It doesn't matter what happens here. You can't separate me from the love of God. Verse 37. Knowing all these things. Let me hear somebody say all these things. Come on. We're just reading word here. You need to get this. And all these things we are... More than conqueror in all these things. Why am I thanking him in all things? Because in all things, I'm more than a conqueror. You're not depressed. You're not defeated. You're not anxious. You're not a victim. You're not a martyr. You're not going to lose. You are more than a conqueror. So you need to start saying in the middle of this anxiety, hold on, God, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to thank you. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm going to thank you that in all things, you're working for my good. You are causing good to happen. I love you. I'm called according to your purpose. And all these things are more than conquerors. Hey, put it up here. Put verse 37 up here. Come on. Read, read it with me. Thanksgiving has to be spoken. Are you ready? Are you ready to... Can you say freak the devil out in church? Are you ready to mess up his mind right now? Can you do it? He didn't... See, he thought he whipped you last week. He thought he had you this year. He thought he messed you up. He thought he had you because he doesn't understand giving thanks in all things. All he's got is now. His future is burning in hell. My future is blessed by Almighty God. Come on, are you ready, child of God? Come on, read it. Come on, read it with me out loud. Say, come on. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Next verse. Come on. Uh, For I am convinced. Who's convinced? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, keep going, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, somebody needs to thank him for that. In all things, that's who we are. In all things, that's who we are. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Come on. Romans 5, verse 1. So, so pastor, what, 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 if, what if we're having a hard day? What if we're having a little struggle? What do we do? I'm glad you asked that. Let's look at Romans 5, 1. Come on, put it up. Let's read it. Come on, out loud together. Let's, we need to read the word, church. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith. You know what justified means? It means God looks at you like you never sinned. Why are you digging up what God has erased? Why are you letting the devil talk about what God's already wiped off your slate with the blood of Jesus? Why are you letting the devil remind you of your past when God doesn't even see it anymore? You just need to say justified. Justified. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, what happens? We have what? Peace with God. Ah, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now what? Stand. Look at this. Instead of you being defeated, you got grace. What do you do? And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Oh, come on. Verse 3. Look at this. Not only so. Look at this. This is where the devil, that, this is where the devil, you mess up his mind. This is where the demons run into each other. This is where hell goes into chaos. Are you ready? Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Come on, you're getting bad to the bone now. Come on, verse 4. Perseverance produces character and character gives you hope. Verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out 
and to our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. The devil tries to beat you up. Yeah, we suffer sometimes. Did you hear me? Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it doesn't happen when I pray. But let's go back to verse number four there and look at that. What, what happens? Verse four. Somebody's needed, okay? Go, go back to verse four. Look, what happens when we, when we trust God? It produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance produces what? Character. And character produces what? Hope. You see, the devil thought he could defeat us and God turns it into hope. I just thank you, God. I'm hoping. Come on. Let me give you a couple more. Go to James chapter 1 and verse 2. James chapter 1 and verse 2. Put that up here for me. Look at this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Hold on. Now listen. This isn't a martyr mentality. It isn't saying, well, you know, every day. The Lord's punishing me. No. Jesus took your punishment on the cross. Did you hear what I said? And grace came and found us. We're not paying for our sins because we could never pay for our sin. Jesus paid for our sin. And so what are we saying? What are we saying? Yeah, in this world, it doesn't always go the way I want it to. In this world, it's not always easy. Some days are hard. Sometimes my family goes crazy. Sometimes my, I grew up in dysfunction. Sometimes I grew up in neglect. Sometimes I grew up and there's heaviness on my life. There are things that could bring me down. But because I know the faithfulness of God, because I'm more than a conqueror. Anybody with me? Because I know in all things God's working for my good. Because what the devil designed to kill me, God turned it into a testimony. Because I have seen the goodness of God, I will not live my life in fear of the shadows. I will walk with the shepherd through the shadow of the valley of death. I will not lose my focus. I will pray and thanksgiving. And I will, when it comes, consider it pure joy. Wow. Brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, how could I have joy in the middle of a trial? Look at verse 3. Because you know that your test of your faith Produces perseverance or patience. Evidently, in both these instances, we need to have a little more perseverance. We need to have a little more perseverance. You know what happens to us today? We are an instant society. You think standing in front of a microwave that 45 seconds is an hour. You and I think everything happens instantly. You don't even have to go shop anymore. You just get on Amazon and they bring it to your door. Some of your houses at Christmas, your neighbors thought it was a substation for Amazon. There's so many packages on your front porch. And you act like you're not blessed. Let me go on. So here, here's what I want you to see. Everything is instantaneous. Everything is just like that. Everything happens in a minute. But this is what we need sometimes. We need some perseverance. We need some, come on, how many are listening to me right now? We need some patience. The Bible says through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. We need to remember what Galatians 6, 9 says. It says this, if we will not become weary in doing well, if we will not faint, if we will not give up, if I will have a little perseverance in the middle of my testing, I cannot lose. I will reap a harvest in due season. The only way the devil wins is when we quit. The only way you lose is when you quit. And so we say, I know that the testing of my faith is going to produce perseverance. Verse 4. And perseverance will finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You know what I've discovered about George Sawyer? I need to learn to hang in there. I need to become mature. You know what another way to say it is? I need to grow up. (laughs) I need to let God grow me up. I need to put something down inside of here that's not going to let go. I need to have something inside of me that grabs hold of the promise of God and says, God, I refuse to quit. I refuse to give up. I refuse to walk away. What am I going to do? I'm going to give you thanks. And it begins to what happens. Those patterns of my mind. The patterns of my mind. I want you to stand. I want our, our worship team to come. Please don't leave. We need to pray in a port of prayer. Worship team, come. I want you to stand. What happens when you give him thanks? In the midst of the challenge, perseverance starts happening in you. Character starts developing. You know, we begin to find the patterns of my mind broken. It begins to transcend. And what did God say in verse 7 of Philippians 4? He guards your mind with peace. He guards your mind. 
He's guarding it. What do I do? I just live my life of thanks living. I'm a thanks liver. I begin to say, I love you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you that right now the devil sent this to destroy me, but I'm growing stronger right now. I'm becoming mature. I'm developing my faith. I'm make, you're giving me a testimony. I'm growing stronger. I'm rising up in this thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at what I used to fear, and I realize, God, you're bigger, greater, stronger. You're going to whip this thing right now. Church, God's looking for a people with some perseverance. How many hear what I'm saying? Somebody just can stick to it. You know what? I want to speak over you right now. I'm going to pray. I believe some people here, listen to me. I sense this strongly from the Holy Spirit. That you've developed a pattern of running away in your life. You develop a pattern of giving up. You develop a pattern of giving in. Come on, listen to me. I hadn't planned to say this. I believe it's a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. You've lived your life because of some real things you face. They've been hard. But the way you cope is to run. The way you cope is to give up. The way you cope is to give in. And every time you run away, you're disappointed in yourself. Every time you give up and give in, you feel guilty and shame. Well, today, we're going to break that in the name of Jesus. Today, we have authority in his name to declare over every mind under this word. I wanted today to read you more word than I normally do in a message. Why? Because I want you to see it's the word of God. The word of God is a two-edged sword. It divides, it divides between our mind and our spirit. It goes into the deepest place in our life. And I declare today, strongholds are going to begin to be broken in Jesus' name. His Holy Spirit is going to transcend what we can do. And peace is going to come. Peace is going to come. Listen to me, my friend. We're going to take authority over these things that are hurting you. Will depression try to come knock on your door again? Yes. But you don't have to answer the door anymore. Will that old thought pattern try to come back? Yes. But here's the good news. It's coming from the outside. It's not in you anymore. It's trying to get back in, but it doesn't hold you anymore. Colossians chapter 1 says, we have been delivered. I want you to say, I've been delivered. We have been delivered. From the authority of Satan and transferred into the kingdom of God. Y'all come on out and get ready. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray a prayer, I believe, that is going to go right against the strongholds and the patterns. And then we're going to take a moment and we're going to begin to thank God for who he is. We're going to take a moment and begin to thank him. He's faithful. We're going to thank him for his faithfulness and his goodness in our life. I want you to start a pattern today that you're going to walk out of this place and do in the morning. And do tonight before you go to sleep. And when you wake up in the middle of the night, you're going to say these things to God. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. I thank you that you're working. I thank you that you're moving. I thank you that I'm not who I was. I thank you that I'm not there anymore. I want you to put your hands up like this to the Lord today. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I want you to agree with me over your life. I want you to pray this with me. Father, in your own prayer, in your own way, agree. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against every stronghold, every pattern. Every high thing that's divided our focus from you. God, everything that life has dealt us. The despair, the depression, the fear, the anxiety, the rejection. God, those family members that lied to us, hurt us, broke a vow. Those family members that abused us and used us, God. The things that life has thrown at us. I declare today, in the name of Jesus Christ the mighty God, the name above every name. I apply the blood of Jesus. I speak the name of Jesus. I command you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, your lies, your oppression, your work is broken and confronted now in the name of Jesus. God, I declare your word, your word in our mind, in our thoughts. Father, where there are strongholds, we demolish them. Where there are imaginations, we cast them down. Where there are lies, we turn away from them. Father, I pray that you release peace that transcends, that passes, that's greater, that erases the patterns that have held me down. And you begin to do a new thing in us, God. I declare we are right now being transformed. By the renewing of our mind. Father, we must pray and give thanks. If we are not willing to pray and give thanks, then anxiety will remain. 
But if we will allow you to guard us, we just give you thanks. We just trust in your power. We just declare your word. We don't have to feel it. We don't have to have any emotion. It's the word of God. And when we give you thanks, we're reminded you're not through. It's not over. We're growing, maturing, strengthening, developing. We will be stronger, not weaker. The latter part of our life will be greater than the former part. The glory will be greater than the former. We will walk in newness with freedom. And you will guard us, oh God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.